Sometimes we have to be able to let go of what God has given us. And God will return the thing to us multiplied. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today I am on the program called 42. Most of you here in the audience are familiar with it. Those of you watching or listening electronically may not be, but it's the program that you will find details about. Just go to airjesus.com and you'll be able to click the 42 icon and it explains it to you. I'm, I'm currently on the fifth day of a seven-day portion of the 42-day program. So I haven't had anything to eat, uh, only water, for the last five days. But I'm feeling real good. We had to do a baptismal service this morning, and the administrator asked me beforehand, Pastor, are you going to be strong enough to lift up the fire? I'm feeling fine. God can sustain you even when some of the stuff is cut off from you. When there's a power of the Holy Spirit, things are just energized within your world. And 42 began last year. And on the day that I finished 42 and had eaten my first meal off of the 42 plan, I was actually leaving a luncheon that I was having with a friend. I was downtown and I pulled up beside this little bitty car. I was in my Jeep and there was this itty bitty car that came, the back of that car came to just the back front door of my Jeep. And I looked at the car and I said, I really like this thing. And I looked on the back and saw that it was a smart car. I was talking to my brother James on my cell phone. I said, James, look this up on the internet and see what this is. He, he, he was at his computer. He typed it in right quick. He said, you're not going to believe the name of this thing. I said, what? He said, it's called a 4-2. And I thought he was joking. But he wasn't. He said, no, it's a it's a four two. It's a smart F.O.R.T.W.O. I said, well, look up where the dealer is. I drove straight to the dealer, took a test drive and ordered it that day. Now, there was a one year waiting list on the smart. But because the economy had crashed, a lot of the people who had ordered it weren't able to pick it up. So I was able to get it in seven months instead of a year. I went down to the dealership, wrote him out a check, paid for it cash and drove it home. About a month later, I began talking with a friend of mine who was a pastor also. And I asked him a question. I said, look, do you need another car? He said, man, I sure do. My car is about that far. I'm having all kinds of difficulties with it. I said, what about my Mercedes? He said, man, I can't afford that thing. Now, for those of you who know, I have an S430 or had an S430 Mercedes the car had less than 50,000 miles on it. It was in absolute, pristine, almost brand new condition. And he told me, he said, man, I have always admired that car when I've seen you in it. I've always liked that car. I said, well, you need another car. I said, what about if I sell it to you? He said, I don't have any money. I can't buy that thing. I know it's too expensive, way beyond my budget. I said, suppose I sell it to you for $4,200. And he was just quiet because the car's worth multiples of that. He knew it was. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, suppose I sell it to you for $4,200. He said, man, he said, for that, I couldn't. I said, that's just unreal. 
He said, but I don't have $4,200. I said, well, suppose I let you pay me at your leisure, whatever you want, when you want. He said, man, I can't believe that. I said, do you want the car? He said, I want it today. (laughs) So I ended up virtually giving him my Mercedes as I drove the smart. And that was right before Easter. And he called me right after Easter and he told me, he said, Pastor Brana, I have to tell you. And he, he pastors, he's a new pastor, he pastors a small church. And he said, on my way to church in that car, he said, it was the first time I really felt like a pastor. He said, what did you drive to church on Easter? I said, I drove a smart car. Now, the thing about the smart car, it's the smallest car in America. It's 700 pounds lighter than the Mini Cooper. It is absolutely the smart, but I just, I'm just crazy. I like it. I like to drive it. It's just perfect. I just, I'm just thrilled with it. And recently, I was in South Carolina. I was in a hotel room. We were there for my wife's family reunion. And God spoke to me, and he said this. He said, whenever you complete 42, you will get a small blessing and a large blessing. And I told that to James. And he said, you saw the smart car the minute you completed 42. And he said, that is a literal definition of small. (laughs) He said, that's your small blessing. And, And it was a blessing. It was a blessing that I had the money to pay for it. It was a blessing that I just enjoyed the thing almost better than any vehicle that I've ever owned. And it was several days later that he told me, he said, the smart car was the small blessing. He said the Mercedes was the large blessing. And I want to talk to you today from the subject of small and large blessings. And when God spoke that to me and when I realized it, it caused a paradigm shift in my thinking. I'm always thinking the more I can get, the more blessed I am. But God said, the more you get, that's the small blessing. The big blessing is in the more you give. And it is the same way of thinking that Jesus had. It was what the New Testament talked about, but it requires an entirely different mode of thinking when we go to talk about blessings. See, generally, even in the church, when we're talking about blessings, we're talking about what we get. But when God talks about blessings, God is talking about a nature of heart and a nature of spirit that he talks about what we can give. Jesus said it clearest when he said in Matthew chapter 6, the 19th through the 21st verse, he says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, Where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, you cannot lay up for yourself in heaven any of the things that we normally consider to be treasure. Some of you have on fancy watches. You can't put that in heaven. Some of you live in fancy houses. 
You can't put that in heaven. Some of you drive fancy cars and have fancy clothes. You cannot put that in heaven. None of that stuff can you put in heaven as long as you hold on to it. There is a change of thinking. And I want to move in my life to where I'm getting large blessings. But everything of spirit is contrary to the things of flesh. Even with the 42 program, most of what people talk about whenever they tell me about 42 is how much weight they've lost. I had a man email me and he said that he had lost 30 kilograms while he was on 42. And he weighed 150 kilograms. Now, some of you don't know immediately what a kilogram is. A kilogram, 30 kilograms, is roughly 66 pounds. So this man, while on 42, lost 66 pounds. He weighed 150, which is 330 pounds. Now, the reason that he emailed me in kilograms, because he wasn't in the U.S. People do 42 all over the world. But his focus was on the weight loss. It was on the material stuff. It was on the stuff that immediately benefited what he could immediately see. The big benefit and the great blessing of 42 happens in the spirit, but it requires you to give something every day to somebody. It requires you to compliment somebody every day. It requires you not to speak anything negative. It requires you not to complain. The biggest things are inside in the spirit. The problem with 42 and even the weight loss that people experience, if they don't stick on a change lifestyle, they put it right back on. When they come off of 42, if they don't continue the spiritual changes, They start right back to fussing. They start right back to complaining. They start right back to talking negative about people. If you don't hold on to the inner blessings, we're like that with almost everything. See, we see what God considers to be the small blessing. And we never grab a hold of and we never grab sight of the large blessing. If we can't drive it. If we can't live in it, if we can't wear it, if we can't spend it, if we can't see it in our earthly bank account, we don't consider it to be a big blessing. See, we've got it flipped. But that's the way it is with all of the spiritual stuff. We have it reversed the way we think versus the way God thinks. I'm I'm thinking a big blessing is when I get a whole lot of money. God says, no, the big blessing is when you give a whole lot. It's a whole different. It's an entirely different paradigm shift. People, these lives that we have, they're short. 70, 80, maybe 90 for just a few people. And that time goes faster than we can imagine. I want to build up my heavenly bank account. I want a large blessing. See, the large blessing is something that will carry me through millennia and eternal This 75, 85 years goes by so fast. I I mean, you, you all know it. Some of you right now, you got stuff creaking that's never creaked before. You understand that? That's just a shadow of this lifespan ending. Some of you right now, your, your hair is turning grayer and grayer and grayer and grayer. That's just a shadow of this life, which comprises the small blessings coming to an end. I, I want to store my treasure. And Jesus told you, he said, don't lay your treasure on earth. Put your treasure up in heaven. Get you A big blessing. See, our understanding and our earthly meaning of living large is not what God's meaning is. So I want to 
get me a big, large, huge blessing. The first use of the word blessing in the Bible is in Genesis 12, 2. And it is where it says, and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, this is, of course, God talking to the father Abraham. And God told Abraham, he gave him four promises. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. Most of that Abraham did not see. Now he died at a very, very old age, but Abraham never saw the great nation. When Abraham died, he didn't have enough children or grandchildren to make a great nation. He only had a few. He had one son by Sarah, which was Isaac. He had one son by Hagar, which was Ishmael. And he had six sons by his second wife, Keturah. So Abraham had a total of eight children. But God told Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. He told Abraham, you will have so many descendants that you will not be able to number them by the stars in the sky, nor by the sands by the sea. He he told him, you're going to have so many descendants. Now, God told him that, but Abraham could see that he only had eight sons. He had eight sons and even he almost had just Pastor James had seven. My father's father had 11. So he didn't have enough children to where he could see in his lifetime what God was talking about, that he was going to make of him a great nation and make his name great. He was he was well known, but nowhere was Abraham as well known then as he is now. And he said, I will make you a blessing and see through Abraham has come the blessing of the Christ. So Abraham didn't even see 75% of what God told him at that time. But his, his blessing and his great blessing was beyond his immediate lifetime. And then he went through a pretty rough time just to get the first two children. And God asked Abraham to take his son, Isaac, and sacrifice him. God basically said to Abraham, take that which is most precious to you and give it to me. Do you know that's an issue that many of us have? When God has blessed us and God will ask my child, return this blessing unto me. Most of us hold on to this, uh-uh. I know you gave this to me, but uh-uh. It's that way where even you preach to about tithing. And God asked for 10% of the blessing. You'll hold on to all 100% and say, uh-uh, not this. This is mine. So God asked Abraham, he said, give me that which is most precious unto you. Return it unto me. Go and sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham said, I will do this thing. If God asked you today for your most precious possession, how many of you could say, I will do this thing. But it was from that that began to pour his multitude a blessing. And even in that same chapter, I mentioned that Abraham only had eight children. But if you look in that same chapter, 
Genesis 22 and verses 20 through 24, it talks about Nahor, who was Abraham's brother. And Nahor had eight children by his wife and four by his concubine. So his brother had 12 and Abraham didn't have but two. And those were just the male children. Now, you know, if Nahor had, if he had 12 children, some of them were girls, but they only list the boys. For whatever reason, in genealogy, the Bible only counts the male children. There's no mention of the females. And that's another sermon. But, but here, Abraham's brother had 12 boys, and he only had two. And here God is telling Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation with descendants that you can't even count. And he's looking at his brother and saying, my brother has six times the number of children that I do. So how is it that I'm going to have this great nation, this multitude of descendants, and I'm looking at my brother. I could, I could see it a little bit more, Lord, if I had to 12 and he had to 2. Have you all ever looked at someone else close to you and wondered why they had much more than you? Wondered why I looked like they would get wondered why you were only given a fraction of what they had? Six times. And here God has given Abraham the promise of these huge multitudes of descendants. People... Oftentimes, God will work the greatest miracles in your life with the least amount of stuff. And he'll give you the least amount so that you'll recognize it is by his power and might and not by yours. See, if Abraham had started at 20 years old, just popping children out and popping children out, Abraham could have seen, Abraham would have, you know how men grab a hold of themselves in that area? Abraham would have gotten in the mirror, grabbed a hold of him and said, I'm something. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm telling the truth. If he had just been popping children out and pop, but Abraham was shut up. He was shut up. His wife was shut up. And then God's going to tell him, I'm going to, you're going to have descendants beyond what you can even count. See, when, when God puts you in that position, you just can't go grab your stuff because your stuff ain't doing nothing. You understand what I'm saying? How, how many of you right now, you got some stuff and your stuff is not doing anything? Now, I'm not talking about that stuff, but the other stuff. And to be honest about it, some of you got that stuff and it ain't working with a hoop. That's just the truth. Don't, don't, don't anybody nod their husband talking about he talking about you. I'm not talking about, I'm not saying prophetically in anybody. So here Abraham has a brother and God mentioned this right as he comes from about to sacrifice Isaac. That his brother has 12 boys and Abraham has two. In the very next chapter, chapter 23, is the death of Sarah. And if you ever study some of the Jewish literature outside of the Bible, where their rabbis and scholars have put together, they claim that the reason Sarah died is because she was heartbroken with Abraham taking off her only son to kill her only son. Now, mothers, you can understand that, can't you? I mean, if somebody were to take your only son off going up to the mountain to sacrifice him and you felt he would never come back, that would kill a lot of mamas. 
Sarah died right after that chapter. Sometimes we have to be able to let go of what God has given us. And God will return the thing to us multiplied. My brother Dale emailed me this morning and he said that he had just come back from Northern California and he had visited while he was there the National Forest. And he had seen the giant redwood trees. And he said when he saw those trees, he had a revelation. He said the redwood tree particularly the sequoia redwood, they are up to 3,200 years old. That's 3,200 years old, which means that when Christ walked the earth, those trees were 1,200 years old. And he said they grow to 370 feet tall. They weigh 500 tons. Now, 370 370 feet, people, that's, that's a 37-story building. They grow to a size of a 37-story building. They weigh 500 tons. Yet, the giant sequoia redwood comes from a seed the size of a tomato seed. God can take some of the smallest stuff and he can grow it into things that are humongous. He can take a small thing, a small blessing, a small gift, a small seed, and it turn it into something that's humongous. Some of you out there right now, you've got small blessings and you have small seeds. You look at it just like Abraham. Lord, I've been in this thing so long, I don't have the fruit. I'm looking at my brother. I'm looking at my neighbor. I'm looking at someone else I went to school with. I'm looking at someone I grew up with. I'm looking at someone else on my job. Lord, they, they, they've got many more seeds. They've got full plants. They've got full trees. How can you expect me to do with what the little you have given me with what they've done? How can you expect me to take a small seed? A small blessing and turn it into something big. I'm going to tell you how. Give it back to God. See, the problem is you can't do anything with a small seed. You can't do anything with a medium-sized seed. You can't even do anything with a big seed. Without God, even if you do have all of the stuff, you won't enjoy it. If God gave you a Maserati or a Rolls Royce, or a private jet. Without God, you, all you're going to do is riding at 30,000 feet, miserable. So, if, if God, and, and it's one of the things that, if you got God, you can ride in the smallest thing in the world and you're just as happy as you can be. Without God, it doesn't matter what you're in, you're going to be miserable. There's going to be an emptiness in your soul that you just won't be able to feel. If you want to know how to turn a small blessing into a large blessing, give it back to God. Stop complaining about that you have been given only a small seed. There was a song that I considered the most spiritual and philosophically eloquent song in the world when I was in college. And actually, the thing was sung by Parliament Funkadelic. Now, many of you don't know who Funkadelic was, but there are some of you that still got some of that funk in you. And some of you know exactly who Parliament, Funkadelic, George Clinton, Bootsy Collins. Some, some of y'all just, I see some of you starting to rock right now just thinking about it. 
But there was a song they made called Good Thoughts, Bad Thoughts. And in it, it says that the giant redwood sleeps within the tiny seed. And I am telling you today, people, that even though you may have what you consider to be tiny, some of you even consider it insignificant. Some of you say stuff I have, it pales in comparison with what I need. But I am telling you that if you give what you got back to God, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about talent. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about heart. I'm not, I'm not, you're not taking up any offering. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking, but, but you still, you can't be stingy with that either. But, but you have to, you have, that's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But I'm talking about your time, your talent, your focus, your praise. Some of us spend more time praising celebrities than we do God. We, we don't. We, that's why even in 42, it requires you to study the Bible every day, morning and night, to try to gear you towards worshiping and truly worshiping God. There is a seed, no matter how large or small, within every one of you here today. And if you take that seed and say, Lord, here I am, I may not have much. But that which I have, I present to you. If you do that, and if you sincerely do that, and if you stick with it, you will start to see some small blessings turn into large blessings. And the large blessings will not only affect you while you're here on earth, but it will affect generations to come. You have the seed. Now you decide what you're going to do with it. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. This ends message number 5443 by Nathaniel Bronner Jr. To hear other messages or to send this message number 5443 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 5443. Small and large blessings. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.